reading from the 21st chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and He showed Himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples and he, after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, He said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you were paying attention to details, you heard that this was now the third time that Jesus had appeared to this group of people. This group of people who had believed him to be utterly and completely and completely and utterly dead. 
And their first thinking when they saw him the first time was to be afraid because he must be a ghost. And then you hear him say to them, come have breakfast. So I want to ask you, do you know what time of day a ghost eats breakfast? You ready for it? In the morning. (laughs) I was really afraid y'all wouldn't get that. This is not the only time we're told that Jesus and disciples gathered around some fish after he came back from the dead. In one of those occasions, Jesus ate fish for them to prove that he was alive. But I wonder if you notice that in this instance, it doesn't say that Jesus ate the fish. It says that he gave the bread and the fish to them. So John's concern doesn't seem to necessarily be here to prove that Jesus is not a ghost because that has been established for them at this point. This visit seems to be about the disciples and it seems to be about this group of disciples who've given up and gone fishing. They've taken their ball and gone home. You've heard that saying? That happens when a group of kids are playing and one one kid doesn't like the outcome or how the game's going and that kid brought the ball so that kid takes the ball and goes home. The modern equivalent of that is when one kid hits the reset button on the Xbox or PlayStation 4. That's the modern equivalent of taking your ball and going home. That's what they were about. They were like, what do we do now? And Peter's like, well, I guess I'll go fishing. And so Jesus goes to retrieve Peter. What I want you to hear in this is what might be my favorite thing about this story. Jesus went to get Peter. Did you notice that? Jesus didn't hang around waiting for Peter to come to his senses and realize how far away he was. He went and got Peter. He went to where Peter went to be a part and to say, you know, I guess we'll just give up. Maybe this has come to nothing. I'll just go back to work what I was doing before. And Jesus comes to get him. Now, many preachers have made all these wonderful arguments about the difference between agape love and phileo love, and they're really not that much. The agape love is something that burst on the scene with the Christianity. The word is supposedly said to not have existed before the Christians began to use it, or at least to be used exceedingly sparingly. But agape love has behind it the idea of Jesus' sacrificial death. And the first two times Jesus asked Peter if he loves him, he uses the word agape. The third time he uses the word that Peter was using to say I love you, which is phileo, where we get Philadelphia. But it's still just love. I'm not sure we should look at that and make some big deal of that. Even though the last time Jesus uses the same word phileo, I guess to make it easier for Peter, preachers have said. But what's happening right now can't be easy for Peter because it's about restoring Peter. Because what you might remember is that Jesus told Peter, three times you will disown me before the cock crows. And you've heard those gospel accounts of how Peter reacted when he heard the chicken crow. He wept bitterly. What must it have been like for Peter to face Christ? To face the risen Christ? To see everything that Jesus had said about himself come true? To see him suffer? To see him beaten? To see him killed? To see him raised? And know that you had disowned him when he needed you the most? 
What must it have been like for Peter to sit across a fire from Jesus after having sat across a fire from a little girl who said, aren't you one of them? He said, hell no, I'm not one of them. Remember it said he cursed. Peter became vulgar and he said, I'm not one of them. Hoping to put the issue to bed. What must it have been like for Jesus to find Himself warming Himself by a fire again? Remember that scene? He was sitting outside of the priest's prison house, of the priest's house, and they were sitting outside a fire, around a fire, and He was warming Himself when they confronted Him with whether or not He was Jesus' follower. What must it have been like for Him to sit around another fire with Jesus, knowing He had disowned Jesus three times? Some famous person once said that it's not by our words that Christians most often disown Jesus, it's by our actions. And it's not our words that create atheists, but our actions. When people who know our words see how we treat other people, they can't believe that this Jesus thing is real. And that comes to the crux of the matter for this story. Because to restore Peter is not to restore Peter as a believer, but to restore Peter as a follower, as a person who will sacrificially give up his life to follow and serve Jesus. I've said it, and I don't know how many sermons, Jesus is not calling believers, He's calling followers. Yeah, John 3.16 says, Whoever has faith in Me will not perish but have eternal life. It says that. But over and over and over and over and over, Jesus calls people to follow, not simply sit still and believe. And this funny thing happens when Jesus restores Peter. What He wants to know first is, Peter, do you believe in Me? No. He doesn't say, hey Peter, do you have faith in Me? He doesn't say, hey have Peter, will you tell people about Me? He doesn't say, hey Peter, do you have your act together? Are you perfect? Are you a hypocrite? Are you a wonderful person? Are you a good neighbor? Are you a good person? He doesn't ask him any of those sorts of things that we might start with. He simply asks Peter, do you love me? That's a powerful question to be asked by someone after you've disowned them three times and walked away from them while they were being killed. And what an amazing amount of mercy there is reflected in the fact that Jesus asked him three times. So that just as many times as Peter denied Jesus, Jesus gives him a chance to say, I love you. It reinforces for me, dear ones, that every last one of us can count on Jesus to come looking for us when we fail. We don't have to grovel before God. God is pursuing us. A very famous poet once wrote a a poem about Jesus called The Hound of Heaven. You can Google that and look it up. Jesus is the hound of heaven who pursues us every time we fail, every time we move away, every time we come short, every time our faith seems to be just a little bit lost. Jesus will pursue us. Pursue us and restore us. This is what we learn from this story today.
It's not about proving he's not a ghost. It's not about the number of fish representing so many people from different things or whatever. There's none of that here. What's here is a loving God comes looking for a broken human being to restore him and invite him to love and serve. Jeff said an interesting thing this morning. He said sometimes he liked to be able to be involved and just not be involved, I think is about it, right? To just rest in being involved. I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't give Peter that opportunity because that's not what loving Jesus looks like. What Jesus is calling Peter to is not affection. He's calling him to serve him. He says, if you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, tend my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, serve. So it brings us to an idea that loving Jesus is serving Jesus. And serving Jesus is loving Jesus. So two things I want to call you to do as you come to this table today. Hear Him ask you the same question. Do you love me? And answer it in your heart as you walk the aisle. I love you, Lord. And hear His call to service to you. He calls you to serve others in His name. It's why you are here. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.